0: I want to read to you today out of John chapter 13. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. He got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. But HE IS COMPLETELY CLEAN, AND YOU ARE CLEAN, BUT NOT ALL OF YOU. FOR HE KNEW THE ONE WHO WAS BETRAYING HIM, AND FOR THIS REASON HE SAID, NOT ALL OF YOU ARE CLEAN. LAST SUNDAY I TALKED ABOUT THE POSITION OF RECEIVING SALVATION BASED OUT OF THIS STORY HERE OF JESUS WASHING HIS DISCIPLES' FEET, AND I REALLY WANTED TO HELP people understand the position the spiritual emotional and mental position of what it means to come to christ because there's a lot of confusion especially with religion mixed in sort of man-made rules about things and and uh you know some people think about becoming a christian and their mindset is okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna take the bull by the horns i'm gonna i'm gonna cut my hair and quit cussing and quit drinking and i'm gonna you know do all of these things i'm gonna stand up take charge and make myself a christian But you're not born again that way. That's not how you approach becoming a Christian. No, Jesus set the example by washing his disciples' feet. You see, to become a Christian, the position that you take is that you have to sit still. You're not doing the work. You have to sit still. You have to expose all of yourself, the worst parts of you, which in this case were the disciples' disgusting feet, and you have to let Jesus cleanse you. There's a method to being Saved, And we talk about that a lot. It is to repent. It is to believe and it is to confess the Lord Jesus. And uh, you hear that a lot. That's preached a lot and it should be. But there's a position that goes along with that. Uh, it is a, an attitude, a position, an emotion of the heart and of the mind in which when you do repent, believe and confess, you're sitting still. In other words, you're not trying to take Christianity. You're not trying to grab hold of Jesus. You're sitting still and letting him do the work and trusting in the work that he has done for you. That's number one. And number two, you're exposing all of you. You're not hiding your sins. You're not hiding the worst of you. You're acknowledging the worst of you. You're putting it out there and then you let Jesus do the work that he does in you, which is to cleanse you of all sin and make you right with God, bring you into the family of God. And so for those of you who are wanting to come to Christ and considering Christ, I would encourage you to go Uh, to our website, Austinalivechurch.org, and look up that sermon, Would You Let Jesus Wash Your Feet? You can also find us on YouTube uh, and probably a a link here on Facebook uh, as well. Uh, Very important, very important, the the mindset of coming to Christ. Uh, And I want to talk to you today about the mindset and the position that you have once you become a Christian. What's your attitude, your emotions, and your mindset should be? as a Christian as example in this story here today. And so we have to start off realizing that there is a different message between salvation and sanctification. Sanctification is once you become a Christian, your growth in Christ. And uh, so think of it this way. Sometimes we get these uh, religious type sounding words and we don't relate to them. Think of it this way. To be saved is the process by which God adopts you into the family. You are born again into the family of God. Sanctification is now that you're in the family, how God raises you and grows you so that you become like the family. You become like Jesus. You become like the Father. And there there are different processes. And oftentimes in the word and in sermons, Uh, even in conversations about God, the the focus is on one or the other and we get really messed up when we blend and we don't know the difference between the two. And so I want you to know that today I am talking to the saved about how to live your life. Now, if you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, this is still a great uh, lesson for you to hear and, and things for you to learn because it will help you really see more of what becoming and living as a Christian is as opposed to what maybe you think it is or what maybe your, your, your tradition has taught you it is. And uh, so it would be beneficial to you if you're not saved to hear this. But I am speaking specifically to those who have already been saved, already given their life to Christ and are in Christ and the proper position, the spiritual, the emotional and the mental position that we take in Christ as we live for Jesus. I want to help you see that in the story here. We see that first of all, uh, it's acknowledged in the story that Jesus is God. The disciples have acknowledged he came from God. They've acknowledged that he is God. He's the rabbi. He's the master. He's the teacher. He's the Lord in the room. There's no questions about it here. And so they're all having dinner and stuff. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets up from the table and he begins to walk around and wash his disciples' feet. Now, what does that mean? Well, foot washing was a normal thing in their day because the floors weren't always uh, paved. Uh, you might go into a house and it's just dirt, earthen floors. The, there were no sidewalks on the street to, to walk down, and and people often walked barefooted, or they had shoes that were open. And so uh, you could take a bath and walk out the door, and your feet are already collecting dirt and grime from life. And so it was common to continually have a, a foot washing, your feet to be washed. Uh, and so here's the thing that you need to know about the foot washing in that day. That is that the people who washed feet were always of the lowest status. So like if you had a household that had servants, the servant washed the feet. If there were more than one servant, then the lowest servant washed the feet. You know who never washed the feet? The Lord never washed the feet. The master of the house never washed the feet. The leader never washed the feet, which is why this story is so amazing. And the disciples had to be freaked out by this, that the Lord, the master, the very son of God, the Messiah is going around and washing our feet. Jesus is setting an example. He said, uh, at another time, he said, look, uh, uh I'm not among you as one who, uh, just sits back and takes all the glory and doesn't do anything. No, I am among you as one who serves. You see, Jesus is Lord. He does deserve glory. He he is the master. He is the ruler. He is the king of kings. He does deserve all those things, but he is also the savior. He is also the servant. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king, the Lord, the master but he's also the lamb of God, the sacrifice, the servant, the one who is among us to serve. And so there is this dynamic going on as a Christian in which we know Jesus as both savior and Lord. And it's important that we know him both as savior and Lord. And I wanna help you understand what position that is, how to maintain, how to live and walk in the position of knowing Jesus as savior and Lord in your life. It's very important. Uh, and we're going to look at the life of Peter today specifically because, because we see here, Peter, um, ever the enthusiast always just grabbing the bull by the horns and just going out there for Jesus. Just, he's the one who's speaking up He's the one who's saying what's on his mind. He's the one who pulls out his sword. He's the the one out of all the the 12 here who says, you're you're not going to wash my feet. Never will you wash my feet, Lord. And, and, And the reason he says that comes from a good heart. It comes from a good place. Peter is saying, look, Lord, you are my master. You are my Lord. And you shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. But listen to this. Listen, you can't serve God until he serves you. You can't love him unless you let him love you. You can't lift him up until he's lifted you up. And this doesn't end the moment we become saved. This is a way of life for the child of God. So Peter tells Jesus, look, you're not going to wash my feet. That's not your place. I'm supposed to wash your feet. And Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you have no part with me. You can't receive what I have for you if you don't let me do this. So Peter goes to the other extreme and says, Lord, wash all of me, just, just wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, you don't need another bath, Peter. You've already had a bath. What you need is just to have your feet washed. And Jesus proceeds to wash Peter's feet. Now I want, to get you, you, know, I want you to get the, the deeper meaning out of what's happening here. Jesus is teaching Peter something about the kingdom of God and about how to position yourself as a child of God. And so you come to Christ with the position of humility. You sit still, you let him save you. And God doesn't leave you, uh, in that position. He, he wants you to stand on your own two feet. He wants you to take the bull by the horn. So he wants you to serve him. He wants you to do good works. He wants you to glorify Him. He wants you to take authority. He wants you to go out into the world and and and, and possess and and destroy the works of the enemy. He wants you to have confidence In your relationship with Him, so that you can go out and be the child of God that that He called you to be, He wants you to know it and walk in it. Do you feel that with me today? And this is this is what Peter is sort of this is the position he's in right now. He's like, we've already been down this road before, Lord. Uh, I feel like I've already been saved, and now I'm 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 in a confident place, and so now I'm going to wash Your feet. But Jesus is teaching Peter. Yes, you've had that experience. Yes, you've already been saved. You're already clean, but you still need to have your feet washed from time to time. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking in your minds that we're talking about uh, getting saved over and over and over again. No, we're not talking about getting saved over and over again. Some of you today have this religious mindset and, and it comes from a good place, I believe, but it's where you're saved by faith. But once you're saved. You really have to live to a certain level to stay saved, And you have to always measure your works in your life. And if you're, if they don't measure to a certain level, then, uh, you're in danger of not being saved. And, and and to some people it's, it's, it's really not, not being saved. It's being unrighteous or God's mad at me or, or I'm going to lose my anointing. There's all sorts of ways to interpret it. But let me tell you something, your position in Christ is, you didn't enter into it by your works either good works or bad works. You didn't enter into it by your works and it's not kept by your works. And you're not supposed to measure your place in Christ, your position in Christ, whether you're a part of the family of God by your works. Mm. Salvation versus sanctification. Once again, are you a child of God? Versus as a child of God, are you living the life that God wants you to live? Two different things. And when they get mixed together, we really get our minds messed up. And so notice here what Jesus says. Peter had already been saved. Once again, let's look at Peter's sitting down, exposing his worst moment with Jesus. You'll find that when, when you remember the story, when the the disciples had, or Peter and James and John had toiled all night fishing. They were professional fishermen and they caught nothing. And they come back into the shore and Jesus is there. And uh, they don't really know Jesus that well. And uh, they're just getting introduced to him. And Jesus tells them, go back out into the deep and launch one more time. And Peter goes, we've done that all night long. And it's a waste of time. Jesus says, just do it. So Peter says, Lord, if you say so, we'll do it. So he goes back one more time and we know the story. They pull the nets up and there's so many fish, their boats begin to sink. Uh, They've gone from nothing to overwhelming abundance. This is a miracle. Peter knows this is a miracle. So he gets back to shore and the Bible says this, watch this, watch the position Peter takes when he becomes saved. He says, I am a sinner, Lord, go away from me. You know what this is? This is the acknowledged Peter sitting down. He's at a point where he realizes I can't save me. I've got some junk, some nasty part of my lives. I can't save me. And Peter is in the position to receive, to, for he's in the position where Jesus can begin to wash the grime and the dirt and the muck and the sin out of his life. Jesus can bathe him, can cleanse him and make him new. And I believe this is, this is Peter's salvation moment. Now, later on, we see other evidence of it. Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter's the one who says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And uh, another time we see that many of the, the people who were following Jesus left and uh, didn't follow him anymore. Some of the things Jesus was teaching was just too hard for them to take. And so they began to abandon Jesus and Jesus asked his disciples, are you going to leave me too? And Peter speaks up and says, Lord, where would we go? We've come to believe that you are the one, you are the only one who has the words of eternal life. Peter, in in the story of Peter, we see that sitting down, that letting Jesus cleanse him and accepting him as Lord, we see him repent, believe, and confess Jesus as Lord. He's taken the position. He's gone through the process. He is a child of God. So in this story, when Jesus says you're already clean, he's telling Peter, you've already been saved, Peter. I'm not talking about saving you again. So for all of you who've been saved and you've been you're living your life in such a way that you every time you have a bad day or you sin or you get angry or you do something you shouldn't do and now you're worried about whether you're saved or whether you're righteous or whether God is mad at you or or he's gonna uh uh, uh take his protection away from you. Listen, you need to let all that mentality go. That is a law-based old covenant works based mentality. It's not the relationship that God has with you. Every time you say to Jesus, Lord, cleanse me all over again and save me all over again. What Jesus is saying to you is you've already had a bath. You've already been cleaned. We don't need to do that. You've already been cleaned. I hope you're getting this today because some of you are walking around with a sin conscious life. And the book of Hebrews says that the high priest who cleanses you, Jesus, by his blood that is spotless, he cleanses your conscience of sin. He cleanses your consciousness of sin. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're not aware of sin in your life. It doesn't mean you don't want to do good and please God. That's a part of your sanctification. It means that you don't judge your place in Christ, your salvation, based upon your works. Listen, because if a bad day, if a sin you commit can take away your salvation or your righteousness, then your righteousness isn't based solely on faith in Christ Jesus, but also on your works. In other words, you're adding to your faith in Christ. Are are you getting that? Now, some of you are thinking, well, pastor, does that mean that I can just do whatever I want? Listen, Paul addressed that. and, And I want to give you this truth. When you truly know who you are in Christ based on faith, you will want to please God. You will be more likely to be like Jesus based on your knowledge of who you are and your faith in him, rather than trying to work really hard to be good and not do bad. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Every time you get up and you try to not sin, you end up sinning. It's like you get focused on it and you just can't help yourself anymore. Your flesh just goes there. That's having a consciousness of sin. You're living by measuring your works instead of by trusting what God said about you and trusting in what, who you are. And and when you live that way and you let measuring yourself by your works go, you know what? You end up living more like Jesus than you ever would by measuring your works throughout the day. Some of you need to get that today. Oh, that's deep stuff and it's powerful. Listen, that's lesson number one. You've already been saved. If if you've got things in your life and stuff attached to you, they need to be cleansed off of you, but it's not about your salvation. Watch this, He's Jesus is teaching Peter here, There are times in your life where you need to come back to me and once again take the position to sit down, expose yourself, and let me cleanse you. Once again, not to cleanse you so that you'll be righteous. You're already clean. You're already righteous. Not to cleanse you so that you can be resaved. No, you're already saved. No, but here's the key. Here's the key. Watch this. As you and I, as God's children, walk in the world, the dirt, the junk, the mindsets, the mannerisms, the thought processes of the world stick to us. Huh? They stick to us. They get in our minds. They get in our heads. And let me give you just a few examples here of how the dirt of the world, as we walk in the world, as we live in the world for Christ, sometimes the dirt of the world gets on us. And sometimes I'm scrolling through Facebook and I'm seeing people who are Christians, children of God, even pastors. And I'm, I'm seeing some of the dirt of the world. I'm thinking, okay, you need to have your feet washed again. You need to get in front of Jesus and let him wash some of that junk off of you. And and you know what? I've looked at my past timeline and I, and I can see where I was really broken and in the spirit and then there were times where I had some of the dirt of the world on me and I opened my mouth when I shouldn't have. Come on, do I have a witness in the house? Hmm. Huh? The dirt gets on us and and some of the dirt is worldliness instead of the word. In other words, we start, when we get so much of the world into our minds and our emotions, remember our, our minds and our emotions aren't perfected yet. And so this is the area of the flesh and where, where sin can abide. Paul said that, that sin is present in my members. He was talking about, it's not in my spirit. It's not in my identity. It's in the flesh. It's in the mind. It's in the emotions. It's in the body. It's in this fleshly part of me that's not perfected yet. And so, uh, we get, uh, you know, we, we watch the news. We, we watch the timelines and, and if we're not careful, we can start thinking like the world instead of like the word. Now, listen, if you get more of the world in you than the word in you, then it's probably true that you're not going to be trusting in living out the word of God. You're going to be living according to the patterns of the world. And listen, Christians can't live a victorious Christian life according to the patterns of the world. And so, uh, what we need is, is to get into the presence of God and, and once again, sit down so at this point, we're, we're in the presence of the Lord and we're going to stop doing it ourselves. We're not going to, we're not going to straighten up and start fixing ourselves. No, we're going to just get in the presence of Christ and we're going to sit down and we're going to expose the dirt that the world has put on us. And, and, And we're going to let Jesus wash some of that worldliness off us and, and the word is going to become the preeminent truth for our lives to live by. Are you catching that? Once again, this is not cleansing you to make you righteous. This is not cleansing you to make you saved again. No, you're already clean. This is cleansing some of the junk off your life. Now, let me just take a sidebar here. Watch the life of Jesus. When Jesus lowers himself and comes to earth, see, he was God. He lowers himself he still is God, but he's God in the flesh. So now, now he is subjecting himself to the authority of the Father here on earth. You got that? He was at one time equal with God. He comes down. He's still God, but he's God in the flesh. And so he has, he, he subjects himself to the authority of the Father. And because of that, because he is in this position, he continually goes away to spend time with the Father. He gets away. He, he walks confidently in ministry, he knows who he is, he speaks with authority, he's, he has authority over the devil, he's confident, yet there are times when he goes away to spend time with the Father. This is what I'm talking about. You need times where you go back to Jesus and let him wash the worldly junk off of your life so that only the pureness of the Word of God is what your truth is. some some more of the dirt that gets on your life. You can get to be hateful instead of loving. Uh, We we see that all the time. It can happen to you when, especially when there's divisive things going on right now. Uh, It can be about race or it can be about politics or social issues or sexual orientation. You can get this mindset where uh, my side is right and your side is evil. And before you, you know it, you start getting sort of hateful and angry and upset and you're throwing barbs and you're you know, you're proclaiming people uh, uh, that are going to hell and, you know, you really get this, uh, instead of loving the lost like Jesus wants you to do, you, you're you really condemning and becoming judgmental. And and this is a characteristic of having just the dirt of the world on yourself. And, and it's in those moments where we need to stop and we need to go find Christ and, and, and just sit down once again, expose this dirt. Lord, I've been feeling hateful, I've been feeling angry, and I don't want to be that way. And... Let God wash that hatred out of your life so that you can live and function in love. So more of the dirt of the world, you can become selfish. Yes. When you go out there and you just walk in the world and you're living your life, uh, you know what? Things hit you. You start wanting possessions. You start coveting things that other people have. You start thinking about yourself. And and listen, you can't think about yourself without sort of thinking less of other people. You understand what I'm saying? So like when self becomes number one, people have to become number two. And Jesus wants us to think of others more highly than we do of ourselves. So it is the pattern of Christ to not be about self, but about sacrifice. And when we start walking in the world and we're living our life, we're going to our jobs, we're doing our thing. We can start thinking about ourselves more than others and start living, patterning our lives and making decisions and, and spending our money and spending our time now focused on me. And it is in those moments that we can get a revelation from the Holy Spirit. We can get a a tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit and we feel it inside. And he's saying, you know what? You're being really selfish. And that's when we need to fall on our knees before God and once again sit. Take the position where we sit in the presence of the Lord and we expose these things and we let Jesus wash us clean of this junk. Here's one of the worst ones. Here's one of the worst ones. When, when you stand up, you're saved, you're you're been born again, and, and you begin to discover the authority God has given you. And you begin to di- you begin to discover who you are in Christ and the power you possess, and you start going out into the world and you're, you're sharing the gospel confidently. Great. That's amazing. You're destroying the works of the devil. You're praying in faith. You're declaring. You're, you're prophesying. You're doing all these amazing things. You are attacking for the kingdom of God. That is a beautiful part of your walk with Christ. But here's the, the danger of that, is that if you're not careful, it starts, that confidence starts to be based upon yourself and not God. You start to rely upon your abilities, your works, your experiences. You can start to get a religious mindset where you're thinking, you know what, I got this figured out and I know what I'm doing. And you start to get sort of a self-righteousness rather than a God-righteousness. And you begin to start functioning in your own strength and your own power, and you're confident in yourself. And this is when you hear that tap on the shoulder once again, and the Holy Spirit says, You know what? You've lost sight of the cross. You've lost sight of who saved you and who holds you. And you need to go back and spend some time in the presence of Jesus. You know, one of the most humbling things you can do is just stop and look into the presence of Jesus. Because all of a sudden, self confidence is emptied, it's gone it disappears and it is replaced with God confidence. It's replaced with spiritual confidence. Yes, we should have confidence, but it should be confidence in the word and the Holy Spirit within us and what Christ has done for us. It's not based on us at all. In fact, we shouldn't have any confidence in our flesh, but confidence in God who lives inside of us. What is our hope of glory? What is the hope? It is Christ in you. It's not you, it's Christ in you. But as you live and you walk, even in ministry, pastors and ministers, sometimes we can be so confident that we begin to trust in our own abilities and our own selves rather than trusting in God. So look, I believe what Jesus is teaching here today is as you walk through this dirty world, you'll pick up some dirt and you need to never lose your connection with me as your savior. Yes, I'm your Lord. Yes, I'm your master. Yes, I'm your king. And yes, you will serve me. You will exalt me and, and, and you will glorify me and you will sacrifice your life for me and all these things you should do. But don't lose the connection of me being your servant, of me kneeling before you and washing you clean. It's not that you need to be resaved or be, become righteous again. It's that you need to be washed clean and purified and, and your mind renewed and, and and the, the thoughts of the world off of you and the hatred and the division and worldliness off of you so that you can walk in the word and in truth and in love and walk in who I called you to be. Listen, child of God, it is a beautiful synergy between Jesus as savior and Jesus as Lord. They are dual positions that work together, two sides of the same coin. Jesus is Lord. We serve him. We stand up. We do for him. We we exalt him. We glorify him. Jesus is Savior. We sit in his presence. We acknowledge our weaknesses and we let him strengthen us by his love. We let him wash the worldliness off of our life. And you need both positions. You need to live in both positions. It is a it is a incomplete, and I would say an even dangerous thing when you don't take both positions. So if you've ever known someone who's always broken, I use the term broken. What do I mean by broken? I mean that, you know, broken, you can think of it this, this way. You feel like you got your life together and you're in control and you got it all together and you go before the Lord and you get in his presence. And all of a sudden, the, the, the building of you that you built, is broken. You realize that it's empty and it's founded on nothing. And, and you realize that God is the only strength. He's the only truth. He's the only hope. And that doesn't end at salvation. We need that all the time. So uh, being broken is sort of a spiritual position of recognizing your own weakness and acknowledging God's strength. And, and we need that as much as we need confidence. We need brokenness and confidence. And so when when someone's always broken, what we find is that they're always begging God. They're always feeling their inadequacies. They never stand up and do for God. They never take authority. They're they're always at the mercy of life. And they're always sort of in the seated position. They're, They're not ever out there conquering the world for Jesus Christ. And they're not complete. That's not a complete position as a Christian. And that's not a good thing because you're not useful for the purpose of God, and it's it's it must be awful to always live that way. Uh, and and the other side of that is if you've ever known a person who is always confident, they they know the answer to everything. Like theology, they have an answer for everything. Listen, I hate getting into theological conversations with people who have their theology all wrapped up in a neat little bow. It fits inside of this thing and they can describe it. And this is, this is salvation. This is healing. And they, they just, at the end of the conversation, they just tie the little bow, put a cherry on top as if they can't learn anything else, as if the, the, the oracles of God, the depth of God can fit inside your tiny little brain. And so uh, the mindset is, I am extremely confident. I have the answers. I have the strength. God, is, God has made me this. God has made me that. And, and we can walk around in this confidence and sort of have this, this mindset that uh, we don't need to sit anymore in the presence of Christ and be broken. What happens with overconfident people is that they lose their heart, they lose their connection to God, they lose the, the very motivation that made them confident in the first place they lose that. Some of you today, have you been, you've been saved for a long time and walking so confidently that you're really walking in your own confidence and you've, you've lost your connection with the cross and you can never lose your connection with the cross. You can never lose the knowledge that you need a savior. You need Jesus to save you and you need him to keep you and that it is not you and your works that are making you saved. They're they're not even proving you're saved. Come on. They're a product of your salvation. But if you, if you lose the root, then the fruit becomes unfruitful. If you lose the connection with the brokenness and the, and the, 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 the amazing transformational connection with Jesus, that I am in need of you and that you are my savior and that you are cleansed. You have cleansed me and you have made me new. If we lose that motivation, that connection, then the fruit becomes unfruitful. We begin walking in our own strength and our own power and doing our own thing. And listen, if you're a child of God and you walk in extreme confidence, that's great. I try to too, but there are times when I need to be broken. And the truth is this, I'm better when I'm broken. You know, a woman brought an alabaster box to Jesus, and the Bible says that she broke it. The only way to get it open was to break it. And when she broke it, the oil could be accessed. The oil could flow. And the oil represents the Spirit of God, and you represent the box. And let me tell you something. The oil will not flow unless from time to time you sit in the presence of Jesus and expose the true you and let him break you. And as you are broken, the oil and the love of God will begin to flow out of your life into other people. You know why your ministry is not effective? Because you're all confidence and no brokenness. And some of you are afraid to even show weakness to anybody. You think that somehow showing weakness... Is is going to make them think your Christianity is weak? That is, Christianity is weakness. Christianity is acknowledging your weakness, putting your weakness out there in the front, so that God's strength can be the thing that we look at. Let's look at the the, the Apostle Paul, who is the just a, the epitome of. The synergy, the combination of Jesus as my savior and Jesus as my Lord, of a supremely confident life with a broken life. Notice some of the things that Paul said in in confidence. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been called by God. I saw Jesus. I heard his voice. I've had an encounter with Jesus. I have raised the dead. Literally, Paul had raised the dead. I have been in visions that have taken me to the third heaven, and I have heard things that I can't even repeat to you here on earth. Supremely confident in his identity and calling, walking around in authority, taking territory for the kingdom. But the same Paul who said those things also said this, I am the chief of sinners. Who shall save me from this body of death? Oh, thanks be to God who's given me the victory. For there was a, Paul said, there was a thorn in my flesh. And I asked the Lord to take it from me three times. And he told me, my grace is enough for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul said this, I will glory in my weakness. Do you feel the apostle Paul supremely confident in his identity in Christ and yet broken in Christ, supremely aware of who God made him to be, walking, talking, living confidently, and at the same time, broken and aware of his weakness. He wasn't hiding his weaknesses. He let them show. He knew that in his weakness, acknowledging his weakness made the strength of God, the only thing he can rely on. Listen, Paul had times in his life where he needed to get away and be broken again, where he had walked through the world and the dust and the junk of this world had got on his spiritual feet and he had to go once again and and sit in the presence of a savior and say, God, I've been hateful. I've been selfish. I'm I'm thinking like the world and I need you, Jesus. I need you. So I just want to look in your face. I want to acknowledge my life, my imperfections and my weaknesses. And I want you to wash the worldliness off of me, wash the selfishness off of me, wash the hatred off of me. So once again, I can go out into the world and live like you do, Jesus. Are you getting this child of God? So I want to ask you today, would you let Jesus wash your feet again? I don't mean live in such a way where you're measuring your works and you're constantly trying to confess your sins so that you remain righteous and so that you remain saved. No, you've already been cleaned. Those who need a bath don't need another one. They've already been cleaned. What I'm saying is sometimes the junk gets on us because we're not perfect. It gets in our flesh, it gets in our minds, and and there's nothing that'll get rid of it. Trying won't get rid of it. Trying to do better won't get rid of it. It just makes it worse. It's like trying to clean your dirty feet with a dirty towel. It's not going to get the job done. The only thing that gets that junk off of your life, child of God, is to sit in the presence of Jesus. Sitting, once again, it's a position, a spiritual, mental, emotional position that says, I can't do anything to add to what you're going to do in my life, Lord. And exposing, just putting your feet out there, the worst and dirtiest parts of your life, saying, God, I've really been hateful. I've really been angry. I've really been upset. I've really really been uh, not like Jesus. And this stuff is attached to me. and, And I don't want it there. And as we sit and we expose our lives to Christ, he washes that junk off of us. He takes us in the word and he takes us in prayer and he takes us in worship and he begins to shape us and mold us. And all of a sudden worldliness disappears as the word takes preeminence. All of a sudden hate falls off as love takes preeminence in our lives. All of a sudden we're not thinking about just ourselves and the the, the things that we can get for us. We're thinking about others. We're thinking about eternity. We're thinking about the big picture. All of a sudden we're not functioning on works and our own ability. No, no. We realize our weakness, and now we're functioning in confidence in God, confidence in His Word, confidence in the Spirit. Our strength is not in us, it's in Him. And so now, when we stand with clean feet, what happens is now we can be confident. Now we can walk out into a world. We've got the Word, and we're, we're, we've we're been with Christ. We've spent time with Him. We've got away, and we've been broken before Him and now we can walk it into a world confidently. and we can destroy the works of the devil. We can destroy, we can lift, we can heal, we can, we can build up. We can speak things that are not as though they were. We can declare things on earth and they will be declared in heaven. Yes, we can bind things on earth and, and they'll be bound in heaven. We can live like Paul in that supreme confident life because we've spent time being broken in the presence of Jesus When was the last time you sat in the presence of Jesus and let him break you?